The man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Magic of come to realize is a new way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist. You're listening to the Culture Shock Podcast with your host, Dave Oscuro. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Culture Shock Podcast. My name is Dave. I'll be your host for today. And our guest is one of my dear friends, Matt Seidel. You might know Matt from his days in WWE under the name Evan Bourne. He's also wrestled for organizations such as Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and All Elite Wrestling, where he currently is wrestling, and you can see him every Wednesday night on Dynamite. Matt is a close friend of mine, someone whom I've known for many years now, and the one thing that always strikes me about Matt that I think is very unique, one of the things that I think we touch upon on this podcast, is his deep sense of spirituality, as well as his very balanced look at politics and the world at large. Um, I find Matt to be someone who is always has a very even-killed sense of reason and also is very insightful as well as open to the enchantment of life and and the possibilities of magic. So I'm really excited to be able to highlight maybe a different part of Matt if you're just a wrestling fan and you, that's where you know him from. I think you'll get a little more insight into who he is as a person. And if you're brand new to knowing about Matt Seidel, you might get a a little behind the curtain peek at what wrestling really is like and maybe it'll peak your interest maybe it'll change some of the preconceived notions that you might have about that art form because it very much is so especially if you ever watch matt wrestle so thank you so much for listening without further ado my guest today matt seidel so what is your schedule looking like this days because obviously you wrestle for all elite wrestling on wednesdays uh, but you also run your your wrestling school Are, and i know at least at one point if you're not still doing you were doing like wrestling accessories, like kick pads and things of that nature. Like you're, you're a pretty busy dude these days. Yeah. I found a lot of ways to stay occupied. I mean, <laughs> when COVID hit, I mean, I basically had to find other forms of income after basically 20 years of only doing wrestling. Uh, so right. yeah, we started making a lot of gear, we started making custom knee pads and uh, tights. That's really my girlfriend's department. Elisa is quite gifted at sewing, but, um, she just had the Tango National Championships, so she was kind of busy sewing dresses for that, making her own dresses, uh, and then went on to win the championship, of course. That's that's amazing. Congratulations to her. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, that's one of the – I am just like – I've been in wrestling for a really long time, so the it's, it's an all-around craft that you sort of have to always do it yourself. So, like yeah. – can't find somebody to make custom, you know, the, the wrestling knee pads are a special type. And so we basically like deconstructed the ones I made in Japan and then reconstructed them here. And then, um, if they weren't such a pain in the ass to make, I'd be selling them all left and right. But it's just, whew, these things are, each one is an individual work that we put everything we have into. So we don't do it, do it commercially necessarily, but like we make gear for myself and my brother, Mike, who I ta- mm-hmm. who is my tag team partner in AEW. And so that's why we have like such kick-ass matching gear is because we made it all ourselves. Like Mike's ring jacket, my ring jacket, we all made here. Um, all, you know, it's kind of a do it yourself kind of way that kind of got me successful in the beginning. And I've since returned to it and it, uh, I found success again. Well, and it, and it feels like, like for me who grew up in sort of the punk rock scene there, there wasn't uh, you know, this is kind of before the age of hot topic and things getting really popularized. If you wanted 
a jacket or if you wanted a look, you kind of had to find your own way to make it because there wasn't really, you couldn't just buy, there was no Amazon back then. There wasn't any of that stuff. It was really just like you had to create your own look. And, and it feels like, especially in the way that you started in professional wrestling, that some of that sort of punk rock ethic is sort of built in to your trajectory as a, as a, as a professional wrestler. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I literally see people who just have Amazon outfits on. They literally took them no work. All they did was search for a little bit and click a button. And then they have this, whatever it is. Some, sometimes this wrestlers like their street clothes or their character clothes or whatever. And mm-hmm. it just really doesn't have that touch to it. Um, the Bucks do a very good job of always having creative, unique stuff for each for each match and a lot like basically they just do it with their friend Brent Brendan Cutler and his wife makes all their stuff. So they're like, you know, they're working together. They're making their outfits. I mean, I, I really feel like what, what, whatever you're on stage with, what you wear is like the representation of yourself. And uh, if you can be more original, uh, that's the way that's the path to take. Uh, I right. think there's a lot of people out there who will just take kind of the, well, the, it's on Amazon and it's good enough which is a really good when you start, but as you go deeper and deeper into something like, you know, kind of, I feel like it was like taking my power back when we started making my gear myself, because it wasn't in somebody else's hands. It was back in our, back in our hands. So. Right. Absolutely. And I, I, in preparation for this, I was thinking about like how I could relate. Right. And I, I, I am by no means an actor, but I am a filmmaker and, and part of my, getting prepared to be a filmmaker professionally, I did take some acting where I took an acting class um, with like in the theater acting. Right. And the big thing that I I took away from that was that uh, creating like performing as a character wasn't so much about pretending to be that character so much as it was finding yourself in that character. At least for me, like I had to find who I was in whatever character I had to perform on stage. And it feels like, you know, when you talk about making your own custom uh, clothing and ring gear and things of that nature, it's, it's about finding yourself in the character that you perform in the ring. And, and that would go sort of part and parcel with that is sort of creating this entire persona that it's not fictional, but is a part of you or an extension of you and is, and is something that's not store-bought. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's that, that approach, the more, like, I mean, like just the punk rock approach is the right way to do it. I mean, I'd rather do it my way and fail than, you know, you can just, anybody can look good in a suit. You can just go buy one at the store and you look nice and people think you're, Hey, this guy's trustworthy. Look, he's wearing a suit, you know, but I'd rather show up in a, like a tie dye shirt and jeans that my girlfriend made to fit, you know, where they, you know, now the cuff fits or whatever it is, you know, we don't like, I don't know, like, I think it's cooler to repair your clothes and continue wearing them for a long time as opposed to buying a $200 pair of shoes and only wearing it once and then like putting it in your closet or whatever. I mean, you know, some people, shoes are their art and, you know, I'm not to disparage it, but for me, it's like I would prefer a shoe based more on function and value. I think like, you know, I, I had a pair of shoes for five years and I just bought the same kind of shoe again when that one stops working but well and not and not only that but i don't think anyone would ever confuse your style for anyone else's it's like when you hear a singer sing and you like know who that singer is or 
you see like uh, the opening scene of a Tarantino film and you know, it's Tarantino. There's no mistaking of it. Right. Because their identity is so incorporated into their art. And especially in the last few years, the, the, the latter half of your career, it feels like you've really embraced that making everything yourself and really doing it your own way. And I, and from, from my vantage point as your friend, I've, I see you succeeding. It's working, whatever you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I've I've just been really fortunate that I've gotten to work with some really good people who, uh, you know, I'm just working in good, I've found myself in good environments, and I am a good seed. You know, if you put me in the right environment and feed me water, I'm going to grow and, and flourish and, you know, be able to get over all the performance anxiety that you have, and I'll be able, like, I can kind of overcome all that, like, especially at AEW, like, I feel so comfortable, I'm, uh, getting out on the road and performing in front of fans again has been, it's taken me a little bit to get used to because I was performing in front of nobody for so long. So it's really like, it's this, it's these moments where it's like, you just have to trust your guts and you have to just like be, you know, be sure of yourself like you were when nobody was there. And I, I just really feel like, man, like being a wrestler is crazy. I never, I got into wrestling to make money, never expected to ever get paid to wrestle. I figured I would literally just wrestle in St. Louis, Missouri my entire life and just work a regular job, but just always be in wrestling. And um, like, like I don't know, somehow that, that attitude of just doing it for for fun and like, for, like um, approaching it, like not about getting a result, but approaching it from a perspective of like, what can I, like what is going to like feel good this Friday night, like what's okay. Right. And now when it's Saturday, it's like, what are we doing on Saturday? Not the same thing we did Friday night. We're doing something different. And like that just somehow led to people paying me. And then I was decent enough at business to like convince them to continue paying me. But <laughs> like, I'm always just, it's just for me to be able to stretch it out this long wrestling the way I do against guys that are three, four times my size. Legitimately. I wrestled people four times my size. That's insane. Right. Like no, right. nobody in UFC has to, you know, but, um, you know, it's just, you know, I'm not sure how many people in this watch wrestling or whatever, but whatever it is that like, you don't feel like you picked it, it picks you. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like all of a sudden in this world. And like, that's sort of what wrestling did to me. It just sort of like scooped me up and scooped me away into this different world that I've been fortunate enough to make, make a living at. And like, you know, I get to go around now, like you're saying, what's my schedule? Well, on Wednesday nights, I go to a random town and introduce people to a style of wrestling I've been wanting to show to people since 2000, since the year 2000. Wow. I was trying to, like, get this new type of wrestling out in front of people. And now I'm with an organization, All Elite Wrestling, which is, like, essentially all the guys that were the punk rock guys that just we played in the VFW halls and the bingo halls and all that stuff. And just eventually caught a wave of fanfare through these young bucks doing a YouTube show, pushing the envelope mm-hmm. again, you know, changing wrestling through a YouTube show, not through cable TV, not through any, you know, through unconventional ways and a DIY type project that just showed what these guys go through. They shared their experience. They shared what they love with somebody else. And that's what I get to go do. Uh, and it's so cool when all the wrestling fans come out and like when everybody's together, it's this really awesome atmosphere where, we're make we're wrestling for fans, but fans also control their performance back, 
and it's just a little mm-hmm. wild world of wrestling. And I, you know, the more people I can kind of open up to it and say, Hey, check it out. And you know what, when people ask me what it's like, I'm just saying, you just have to go watch it live. You know, you've been to like right. these PWG yeah. shows when you're there live, there's no explanation. You know, you're not trying to analyze it. You don't think you're just enjoying this wild, um, human car crash of joy. <laughs> Yeah, it, and it's amazing because there's a couple of things you said there that I want to touch on. Number one, there's a favorite phrase of mine um, that I, I really try to live by, which is divorcing yourself for the lust from the lust of results. Oh, lust for results, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because you know, so many times people go into different forms of art, yeah, or performance, and they're they're trying to get to an end goal, and they're missing the path and the journey between that point and that's really where the magic happens right it's in it's in being in loved and inflamed in the process and then letting letting the results mm-hmm. speak for themselves right and I, it feels like that's the kind of energy that you're bringing in that you're there because you love wrestling and it's less about being famous or getting a toy or or ratings or any of those things for you personally i'm sure they're important to some degree but for you like you said you just loved professional wrestling and the other thing is you know from the in, in in the outside world, for those who aren't fans of wrestling, there's always this perception that it's, um, or sometimes there's this profession that it's like it's it's a, the male soap opera. You hear that term a lot, and to me, it's 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 mythology. It's like it's like Greek mythology or or Roman mythology or Norse mythology. It's it's morality tales um, mixed with modern day heightened athleticism and performance. It is a craft that's just as impressive as any other athletic craft or performance craft that you see. Like where I'm recording, I'm in Vegas and I walk past Cirque du Soleil or I walk past uh, the, the uh, new Vegas Raiders stadium. You know, these athletes are, you're on par with all of those, especially with the kind of style that you do. I mean, you're, you do crazy stuff in there. And, and I think that when people experience it for themselves, any, any preconceived notions that they might have melt away. Um, my wife, who's not a huge wrestling fan, will watch when you come on on the TV, um, and she'll she'll argue this point with me, but she gets way into it, way more into it sometimes than I am. She hates MJF. She hates the <laughs> scarf guy. Yeah. Um, she likes to remind me that Cody once dyed his hair, and and um, who is it? she loves Big Swole. Every time Big Swole's on stage, you know, like. So not a rest- She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Not a not a not a lifelong wrestling fan, but but experienced it. And once she experienced it, you just can't help but react. And like you were saying, the audience has sort of a, a role to play. And there's this sort of give and take that occurs, just like any live performance. Like if a band plays, especially like a punk or a grunge band plays, and that you get that sweat and that that interaction with the audience, it feels like to me, especially some of the shows that we've seen, like you mentioned PWG or um, AEW, like it has that energy. So was that, was some of that energy that you felt off the crowd, that sort of interaction with them, is that, is that part of what drives you and sort of made you fall in love with wrestling in the first place? Oh, yeah, I, well, yeah, because I mean, when Mike and I, so I was with wrestling with my brother, Mike, we're leaving Charlotte and somebody ran up and asked for our autograph. We, we gave it to him, of course. And I was just like, yeah, you remember that time we chased Ray Mysterio outside after a nitro and got his autograph? I mean, like that that's <laughs> us. Like so what when I even even when I think about my performances, I think about like, what if me and my friends, me and my brother had brought a couple of our friends to a wrestling show? 
What would make those guys want to come back? What would make them uh, really, what would make them feel like they got their dollars worth out of their ticket? Like, you know, so that right. going out's not easy. Like you got to drive downtown, you got to get a ride. Like, I mean, like there's a lot that goes into showing up at an event. And so it's like, people put a lot into it all week. They're, they're ready for it. So like when we show up, like I feel like this, my pressure is to like to perform, to give people a show, like give them something that they didn't see coming because they expect this. Right. I want to give them that. And then something they didn't see coming, like more like, um, that's sort of like how I approach it. And it's just you give it like at this point, like I said, I, after wrestling for 20 years, I do get a chance to give back a little bit. And that mm-hmm. is really the more rewarding stuff because I still am like it in disbelief that I'm hang that I'm hanging around and people are happy to see me. So when they are, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I and, and there are always rude people or people that take our autographs and just sell them on eBay. But even then when some guys get mad and it's just like, Hey, everybody has to have a hustle. You got to do something. You know, if I, I could always try and sell more myself if I really needed that 20 bucks or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, I, I get along with all the fans, even the bad ones, even the ones everybody else hates. Because I, I just know what it's like. You know, I mean, I know what it's like to wait around in front of an arena all day to look for wrestlers. And then when the show ends, to wait at the exit all night right. just to see him leave. To maybe give him, right. a, give him your VHS of your backyard wrestling. <laughs> you know, so it's like the kids you see at these shows are the ones that end up getting into wrestling anyway. I mean, this is sort of our my little church my little community my little cult cult of wrestling everybody's kind of crazy we like to hit each other and it's fun well and i would imagine if you looked around your locker room how many of those guys that you're wrestling with now were those people chasing autographs and waiting for wrestlers to leave and and exactly what you're saying exactly like you were oh yeah and i mean like you know a lot of the guys i'm in the locker room with it's been 15 years 16 20 years i've been around with these guys like we all stuck with it because we really believed in what we were doing. Um, I really feel like this might, the group of guys I'm with weren't trying to imitate other people. We were trying to like mm-hmm. do it our own way, figure it out ourselves. And I mean, that attitude is what per propelled AEW into existence. Right. And, and it's, and it's again, the, the success speaks for itself. It's very evident that you've caught the attention uh, and, and the loyalty of a, of a fan base that maybe had lapsed from wrestling for a while and maybe wasn't as into it for one reason or another, or wasn't being satisfied by other promotions and that originality that, and creativity that you all bring to your performances, it shines through. You know, one of the things that I, I really note with you is that what you see in the ring is it, literally an extension of you. Like you incorporate yoga, which you're a big practitioner on, you incorporate, uh, you know, pointing to your third eye. You're obviously a very spiritual person and it's not a gimmick. It's not like a, a character that you just created. Like you're a dentist. This is just kind of an extension of, of you, Matt, the person. Yeah. I mean, I, the, wrestling, it's important to have a wide variety of characters. It's like a, a variety show and you always sort of need, I don't want to call it a straight man, but like in a comedy act, you have to have kind of like a, one crazy person, one person who's kind of regular. I sort of Mm -hmm. have always been that sort of anchor of like normalcy, like, but, but my own where it's like unusual normal. Like I'm just, I'm myself, which is not like everybody else, but however, I'm not playing some zany character. Like I used to partner with a guy named Delirious who was a Mm -hmm. masked wrestler who just ran around and screamed the whole time. (laughs) So I wouldn't try and beat him at that game. I would just have to do other ways of like, you know, just 
my, my sort of way of grabbing attention is less uh, verbose and big colors and just, you know, I don't need a lot of pomp and circumstance. I'd like to have pyro in my entrance. If one thing I could change in my life right now, it would be getting pyro when I came out to the ring because then the fans would really know you're cool. Um, but <laughs> well, maybe I, that's know, coming. Maybe that's some, down the down the pike. Yeah, I got to think of some new ideas. But you know, I'm I'm also open to like just doing something completely zany and crazy. Like I don't, you know, I, I would do if if somebody came to me and was like, "Hey, we really want you to do this character where you dress up like a duck or something." I would. What do I care? <laughs> like it would be fun. It would be a fun challenge for me, and I bet I could make it work. <laughs> like uh, you know that because at a certain point, the the problem with wrestling is. It's all about glamorizing yourself, and it sort of mm-hmm. makes me throw up in my mouth when I do that. Like, you know, you're supposed to come up with a nickname for yourself. Like, yeah, pick. Oh, I'm the icon. I'm El Numero Uno, or whatever. Like, you know, everybody. It's just it to me. It's just such nonsense, and I just don't. I, it's so hard for me to even put my mind in that frame of like, oh, it's well, it's either me or you know, or no, you know, I got to be the number one, the guy at the top of the hill, or the top of the mountain. It's like. Um, wrestling is a good place to both get that ego because you, it's there's a bunch of people who feed into that, and then there's a bunch of other people who feed into the hey, you know, let's just try and have a happy life and feed our family and wrestle next week and win, lose, draw it doesn't really matter. Um, I, I can see it both ways. So like, it reminds me of a we were talking about spiritual stuff. It's like okay, mm-hmm. on one plane of existence, everything happens exactly how it's supposed to, so everything's perfect. But then on mm-hmm. another little lower plane of existence okay everything does matter like you can't let somebody talk to you like that or you can't do that like you have to whatever you have to take some some action you can't be completely passive but right. no matter what happens whether that your action pays off or doesn't on this other level okay everything happened perfectly exactly how it was supposed to happen and maybe it actually saved you from something worse down the road or prevented you know or whatever it was it was it was just what you needed but right. uh, even when it feels like it it's not so it's like i've had a lot of times where i've fallen down and then i've had a lot of times where i've gotten back up and i just sort of think it's not good or bad it's just things just are what they are like like so it's like you can be a crazy character you cannot be you know i'm just able to give all 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 i can give is this like whatever people are looking at when you google me that's all i got and i've already (laughs) put it all out there like i just gave everything i have like to people and so i don't when my matches are over like i don't relive them I don't go down memory lane. I can't tell you who I wrestled in 2008, Super Slam, 06, whatever. Like, I just, none of that mattered to me. What date, what was the date of my biggest match? Who knows? What was my most important championship win? I mean, nobody's even heard of the company. But, it, you know, it mattered to me, and I enjoyed it. And, like, I just don't need, it. when I got into wrestling, I didn't realize what went with it. There's a mm-hmm. lot more things that go with being a wrestler than just wrestling and driving to places and wrestling more guys. Like that's sort of what I had in mind. And I didn't realize there's like, you have to do a bunch of media calls. You have to show, you have to do these things. You also like the things, when you think about the things you want, you also have to think about the things that go with it. And are they like good? Luckily in wrestling, there's also things that go with it. Like working with awesome people, doing cool charity work, like traveling the world, getting a lot of frequent flyer miles, like, but then you have to think, okay, what goes with that? Well, that's a lot of sitting and waiting. That's a lot of early mornings in airports. That's a lot of late nights, checking into hotels, checking out, losing bags, great travel, never being home, you know. Uh, so you just, for me, it just helps. When I when I was thinking about going back on the road, I was like, okay, 
this is exciting, but what goes with it? Okay, sleep deprivation. Okay, how can we make sure we get sleep? So I just sort of like adjusted a few flight times in advance, like uh, for the days I, I leave shows, because we don't finish rest until 1 a.m. And I can't be on a 5 a.m. flight and be fu- a functional human being. I'm just not, a- I'm not able to handle that sleep deprivation. And so I'm just like aggressively making myself healthy. And hopefully I can stretch out this wrestling career for a long time because it is what I enjoy doing. I mean, eventually all the cacti that I've planted will grow big and strong and I'll have enough cacti to only be a cactus farmer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, good things take time and you can't, yeah. you know, they, they, the cactus is always telling me you can't just like put a bunch of parts together and make what you want. You, you have to grow it. You know, yeah. nothing good comes from like you can't you can't assemble something good you have to grow it that's you know with a podcast with a pro wrestling career with a band whatever you're doing you know comedy i think wrestling and comedy are very close which yeah. sadly is just one step away from stripping but <laughs> <laughs> well you, you got very le- little left at this point to strip so uh, and, and it's true there's a there's a duality to life right um i think for those people who who follow any sort of spiritual or magical path in their life. Um, there's the, there's the, there's the goal of, of ascension, right? There's a goal of, of trying to elevate your consciousness up the spheres into, until you get to a point of, of what you want to call it Nirvana or enlightenment or crossing the abyss, whatever you want to, whatever path you follow, that is ultimately the end goal to some degree. But, but even as our consciousness can rise up, through the different levels, the different states of consciousness, to your point, your body is is rooted and stuck in this material plane. And so um, if you have an injury or uh, you lose a bag, you know, yes, in the higher consciousness, it doesn't really matter, right? But it still sucks to lose the bag or to hurt yourself. And so um, that's a tough balance to draw. And I think that I think that probably one of the reasons why you've had such longevity is because you do have that very balanced approach where you recognize the yin and the yang of everything. And rather than be swayed too far one way or the other, you just, you just adjust appropriately. I mean, I tried to, but like, I mean, I would certainly say like injuries and being in pain has caused a lot of more pain. Sure. Like, and I, I just think like those things are just, man, talk about tough roadblocks to get over. It's like when your body's suffering, and you're, you know, trying to count on it is, you know, can just be like, real challenging. And then like, it's, it's easy to forget all that stuff when, you, when your challenges are like when you, but you know, it's like eventually learning to quiet your mind a little bit. I got this, you know, uh, all sorts of attempts through different guided meditations, regular meditations, really just drinking in a little bit of silence and peace and quiet when I'm able to slow things down. It's only, um, I, I tend to get scattered. Like, so mm-hmm. my mind will be like, my mind's still in Charlotte because of my, the match, I'm also 50% on dynamite, 12% on Instagram and I'm just scattered everywhere. So if I can slow it down and take a little bit of time just to get reoriented to where I'm at, like without where, where I, it's like I'm in control instead of other people's expectations of me are in control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Then I can kind of get to maybe like a little bit better place. But I mean, I, I definitely just don't think anybody doesn't just continuously struggle because that's like sort of the point is to struggle and suffer and yeah. then, you know, enjoy it while you, while, you know, enjoy the dance along the way. 
but it's just like, um, like I said, there's so many good things and it's like, Oh, well, when I'm hurt even then I'm like, well, I'm so grateful because guess what? I'm alive. I have another foot that works better than the other one. I have all these other things, but then you're just like at that level where you have to like be compassionate for yourself. Be like, Hey, it's okay. You have to be understanding. Uh, sometimes I try to remember to be as nice to myself as I am to other people. Mm -hmm. If I'm just being super nice to everybody, I'm like forgiving. Oh man, I understand, dude. I'm, you know, then it's like, okay, helps to be as kind to yourself as you are to other people. Did your, did your experience being on the road and, and getting injured and, and, and all the stresses that come with that sort of public, not only public life, but also like road life, is that sort of what inspired you to seek out meditation and yoga and things of that nature? Or, or were you always into that like early on and, and, you know, that kind of made you athletic for wrestling? Well, I, I grew up, um, I, 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 son of a half Jewish gay man. Um, mm -hmm. my mom was Catholic and my dad was Jewish and gay. Uh, mm -hmm. I basically learned Hebrew, but like dropped the religious stuff because of the way things were at that school. But I've always had a like strong pull towards religions and mm -hmm. learning about all of them. And, um, well, kind of when I got to that certain point in wrestling, I had a motorcycle accident and broke my foot. I was like, wait, everybody says I should be happy because of these things I'm doing and I've accomplished, but I, they weren't what was making me happy. And I mean, it was around that time I just discovered Alan Watts and Ram Dass and just started go, really going down that path of Zen Buddhism. But it all sort of also circled back to Judaism in some way. Mm -hmm. And I still feel like crazy pulls towards the Jewish religion especially when I'm like using any kind of intoxicants and stuff. I know that yeah, sounds right. crazy. But it I, really I mean, I was raised Catholic and I have a tree of life in my hanging in my living room, which I use and refer to often, you know, the Kabbalah tree of life. So um, no, it, it makes perfect sense. I think they're very deeply tied together. Yeah. I, I think it's cool that I've been able to come like, cause I sort of forgot about it. I remember dude, like I was on the road and I had a girlfriend that lived in New Jersey or some gross town. <laughs> uh, she just i mean she asked me like like what what do you believe in and i had it had been so long since i'd even thought about that question i was like whoa because all i've been thinking about was like surviving wrestling like this that like a bunch of stuff but I, it had been a while since i thought about any kind of god question or whatever i sort of had just had an agnostic mm -hmm. it's not really relevant and i use science for my decisions and then it wasn't until i went to peru that i was like oh yes there's much more mystery in this world and, you know, that's, that's the world for me. I've always like leaned towards magical things. Even when I was a kid in summer camps, they, I, they said, what's your nickname? Okay. Magic Matt. Cause I just, I sort of believed in magic. Still, still definitely do. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm like not an amateur at it, but I've done some of these like magic meditations and things like that. And I just, you know, I think if you focus your energy, like and you're doing what the universe is kind of, and you're following the signs that the universe puts out for you. You can do some pretty awesome things. Yeah. And I, I've, I've heard it often said that the people are, are drawn to magic or spirituality almost always in downtimes. So like you mentioned, you had a motorcycle accident and you have a pretty bad injury, physical injury, and it, and it sort of awakens something in you that begins you down a path and, and lead you to Peru, which of course I want to get into because I thought I'm fascinated by that entire experience. But I, I think that when 
often so many of us are growing up and we're young and we're just filled with hormones and energy and distractions and, you know, lust and all kinds of things that we're just busy. We're so busy in this world, right. In this material plane, like dealing with all the things that come with it, that it's, it's, it's rare to stop and ask yourself that question. But just like you, like I always, I was raised Catholic, but I always had sort of a fascination with religion and those higher questions. But I spent probably most of my twenties, like being in hardcore bands or then started drinking. And then I was like the party wine guy. And then, you know, chasing girls and things of that nature that like keep you really occupied that you don't really stop to think what, what is next. And then when you have that moment, it really, it really can, it doesn't for everyone, but it certainly can send you down a path where you just aren't satisfied unless you discover more and more and more. Yeah. Like I can tell you, I don't, I mean, I think I'm just crazy because when I had that motorcycle accident, I broke my foot and I like scooted over to the side of the road, pulled my shoe off and looked at this bone sticking out. And Mm. just like this calm wave came over me and I was like, this is everything is supposed to happen like this. That's kind of the message I got. And I was like, it hadn't been, it, it, it had been a while since I had gotten messages from the other side, but I've had like a lot of dreaming experiences, astral projection, all sorts of other things in my life. Like, younger that like wasn't really explained um Mm -hmm. you know and then i had that moment and then that was just all part of the path of me getting down you know to wherever i'm at to to this conversation right now and it's like sometimes you stop and think about like how crazy it is that you know you and i are sitting here talking like how many trillion things had to happen Mm -hmm. let's just say even in the last 150 years 200 years had to happen exactly the way they did for this to occur it's just when you think about those odds you're like okay you know, there's something special about what's happening. And it's just like, just appreciative to have like moments like this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like for real, very appreciative. And, um, I was just, oh, we get like, we get all these good reminders and it's like, I definitely needed this kind of conversation today. That's oh. my mind was all sorts of other places. I definitely wasn't thinking about archaic shamanism or, or any of these kind of things, but it's, I love that it takes, you know, it, it's, it's always in the back of my head, you know, it's just about mm-hmm. bringing it to the surface. They call, what is that called to, um, disinter, mm. disinter these yeah, things yeah. that are, they're, they're in here and we just got to bring them up to the surface and bring them back. And, you know, I gave, um, a friend of mine, the book, the alchemist this week. So it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm book. you know, I'm, I'm like, this is, you know, that's the kind of connections I want to make with people. Like this is, is what we're yeah. trying to do. We actually, we had a friend over who's kind of today into that. And like, I don't usually socialize with, with anybody, but it's like finding a group of like-minded people who want to kind of, and it's not about like-minded. It's just about willing to explore ideas that aren't like, Oh, the red team said this today. And the blue team said this on the news. It's like, I what know. Is, who? it's so frivolous and silly when it's like, we could just say, I mean, like it's that stuff does affect our lives, but it's like, how are we approaching all of these things and like, how are Mm -hmm. we letting it affect us? And like, you know, in the, I've had, you just, people's minds can get just turned so easily. And, um, it's really hard for people to take a reset because we get in these cycles that just go faster and faster forward, forward, forward. And it's all in your phone and it's all there. And that's your world. And you think everybody kind of lives in the same world as you. In fact, I think there was a study that said everybody thinks that their friends see the same Facebook ads as them. 
when it's like we all see like such different mm-hmm. Facebook ads because they're so like whatever catered to you or whatever you see, you know, the ads online if you haven't added yep. those pop-up blockers yet. But it's like we we think we all live in the same world, but really if you think about it, we're fully in different realities. And it's nice mm-hmm. when ours can come together and and like harmoniously come together. But there's a lot of people whose like little world say if this if this then red go red auto auto red right. auto red no because it prevents if you go straight to the reptilian brain fight or flight go to red there's no time for this front of our brain to to think logically and to be like okay there are different color skin but that's meaningless it's just we can just see it it's not it doesn't define and right. you know but it's it's easy to convince people to stay in the red part of your brain. This is good. Us, our team's good. That team's bad, and they have full domination over a human animal. But, Absolutely. I mean, I uh, I don't know if you've ever have you ever read any Robert Anton Wilson? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like Prometheus and a couple other ones. Which one? Like, doesn't he write one called Prometheus? And then a, there's there's a couple other ones like. Sex, drugs, and magic, <laughs> which is the one I was going to bring up because that's what I'm reading right now. Yes, I didn't think it was that great to be honest. Oh, you like that one? I like it. No, but I just remember the name of it clearly. Yeah, yeah. No, there, was other, <laughs> there was one other one. Like I bought three in a row. It was Prometheus, that one, and then one, one other one. I can't think of the name. But well, anyway, the, what the, were you saying the reason, well, the reason I brought it up because I'm actually reading Sex, Drugs, and Magic right now, and he talks a lot about how um, programming can be used in in drug intake, right? Um, especially with drugs like uh, hallucinatory drugs like um, LSD, but also like hashish and posh pot and things of that nature. And um, what you're talking about with the phones and I've, I've, I'm the worst. I'm both an addict of social media, but also a critic of it. Like I recognize how it's like, it's like having a, an addiction that you know you're bad at, like it's bad for you, but you just haven't quite kicked it yet. Um, but, but exactly what you're talking about with the phone is it very much is programming us in the same way that, that Timothy Leary might've programmed someone before an acid trip. You know, and it rewires the way our brains think. And like you're saying, it, it it puts emphasis on using certain parts of our brains, the simplistic parts of our brains to just react versus thinking. And and when you think, you realize how much nuance is involved in every single hot topic that's out there. And when you have that much nuance applied to it, it's not so easy to pick a side because it just it splinters into a billion pieces and it's complicated, but that to me is the only way that you're able to find some sort of mutual uh, resolution. Yes. And I think, I think like our phones frame even the arguments. So it frames the mm-hmm. discussion and the talking points. So it frames it as a this versus that when really it's like, okay, Republicans versus Democrats, but there's not one single person saying we should reduce our military basically down to nothing and our nuclear arsenal. There's no one. So there's no, and then, no talking heads on TV are hired by the media guys that would ever like have those things. It's only through small independent media that real mm-hmm. ideas get out that aren't. And I mean, there's people that are crazy far right too, whatever, you know, and those people like, it's just, I, I've been interested in politics since I was in college. I got obsessed with like right wing radio and mm-hmm. not, not that I was like into what they were saying, but I was listening. Yeah. I, I mean, and I like, and, but back then it wasn't, it, it wasn't like it is today. It's today. It, they really added this wonderful pro wrestling element into it. 
which is like, <laughs> how many t-shirts can we sell? How many baseball hats can we sell? How can we turn, we need a new catchphrase this week so we can generate some, like it, and it's just so that they can get more donations. Like mm-hmm. they don't even, they, they're just selling donations. It's, it's genius. Like, I mean, yeah. the, the, the way politics is, it's right now, they need, they, like, it's, all they do is try and raise money. They raise money so they can run for reelect for for an election, so that they can raise money to go run for an election. Yeah, it's an endless cycle, and like, you know it's funny. Yeah, I mean, I'm like you. I I was I was obsessed with politics for much of my life, and um, you know, I was raised in Texas, but I I since my at least my late teenagers to now, I've always considered myself leftist or a socialist. Um, but I, I remember, you know, I'm from Texas, so I remember Alex Jones before he was, I mean, I guess he was always kind of nutty, but he was like less, less than it is now. Like, like you're saying, there was less of that sort of carny pro wrestling element to it. It was, it was, um, it felt rebellious, even if I didn't agree with even most of what, what they said, but it was captivating in a way when you listen to that, that sort of like AM radio because of the way they talk, they almost had a, a, a preacher-esque vibe about their energy and it caps it captured you because it was so different than what you were hearing even if and they're not telling the news they're telling how they feel about things right they just and they have to fill three hours of time and they just ramble on and say whatever but they learn to say it in a special way preacher style well guess what they kind of fool their flock too and it's the same thing you, you you speak in the right canter you use the right inflections and then if you say it like you're so sure that it's true, people will believe you because they want to believe you. Right. <laughs> and there we have yeah. we have like I don't know. Anyway, are we starting a cult or what, bro? Let's do this. We might might as well. Let's, I mean, look, I mean, like what you're talking about, like even even the inflections in our voice, isn't that like a form of magic, really? Like you're influencing the perception of the people around you. You're literally like you're programming them, you're influencing them, you're, you're, you're manifesting what you desire yeah. through different techniques. And these folks, I doubt that most of these folks on, on either side are conscious. I mean, maybe some of them are, but I would guess a lot of them aren't even conscious that what they're doing is a form of magic, but it, they are really, I mean, uh, you know, look at advertisement, look at McDonald, the McDonald, I'm in Vegas. Right? I look outside the window right now. I see the MGM grand. I see the big lion. Isn't that a sigil? of some sort, right? You see it and you recognize it. You think of certain things, think of boxing right off the top of your head, you know? Yeah. I mean, like you just look at what we built all of our cities and tributes to. We worship money because we built the biggest buildings where you would say, oh, that's got to be a religious place. It's just a huge bank bill. Just yeah. money. Yeah. Which isn't even a thing. It's like this society worships mammon. Utter belief in, in greed and in the... Um, and the capturing of assets, you know, the hoarding of assets and, and this constant, like, that's why I don't, I never love the term hustle culture, culture, you know, like the grind culture. I hate that shit. It's like, there's no, we don't build in leisure or art creation or rest. You talked about like, when you talk about travel, right, the average person in America, regardless of their profession, they'll pound five or six coffees. They'll take a 24 hour fit, uh, 24 hour, what are those? energy drinks, five hour energy drinks. They'll do a, a Red Bull and smoke a cigarette just so they can get going to the next thing. Well, because in, because the lady got zero days for her maternity leave and they got right. zero days for, you know, and it's, and it's, I, I, so I, in people I work with, there's a lot of people who like hustle culture is good. You want to, you have to go after it and, and like 
work and, and get your money. But but the idea it, that leisure is a bad thing is nonsense because mm-hmm. what what why work unless for leisure? And man, I like I just as soon as you started talking, I this song came into my head. What I can't remember this guy's name, but it's like whatever happened to the eight hour day? It's like you know. We need to, you know, fight back, get this eight-hour day back, get get some wages up. I mean, I, don't get me even started. Eight-hour day dollars isn't even enough for for a soul mm-hmm. to get by on. I mean, I just we we live in the most prosperous society, but yet there's so many poor people. Like, how does that work out? Are we no? Like, we're. I just know everybody. We know who everybody is, and we know how insane the distribution is. It, to me, it's just simple. Well, I'll tell you one thing that I think has really changed my perception on why things are the way they are. Do you know the band Propagandi? Uh, yeah. Punk band, yeah. So this, I was listening to an interview with the singer, and he, he was saying, he's like, you've been doing this for 30 years. He's like, do you love it? And he's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? He's like, you've been in a band for like 30 years. How do you not love it? He's like, ah. he's like I like making the music. I like being in the band with these guys. I like the guys oh. in my band. He's like, I like playing for fans. He's like, but it's all the other shit that I don't like. And um, and he said, and he's like, well, do you feel like you're making a difference in your music? He's like, here's the thing. He's like, if I was really making a difference, if I was really doing the things that I needed to do to make a difference, I'd be in jail. So I'm doing what I can. And he's like, at a certain point, after 15 years of being in a band, I'm, I'm essentially institutionalized. I don't know how to do anything else. So this is what I'm doing. And I'll do the best I can with it. And I... I mostly believe everything. He, I mean, I mostly agree with everything he's saying. I think there's a, there's probably a spiritual part that he's neglecting that would help probably help some of that. But, but in terms of what you can do in the practical world, I mean, it's hard for me to argue that point. I mean, he, that was, I really resonated with everything he said. I mean, because of course he loves doing it, but like I said, the things that go with it are hard. Like the things that go mm-hmm. with it, are sometimes more than we want. Like sometimes, and also sometimes you change. You started doing a band. You love being on the road. 20 years later, who you are isn't somebody who wants to be on the road as much. And in fact, maybe transportation gives you anxiety. Mm-hmm. I, I get, like, I think cars are super dangerous. I've also mm-hmm. had some incidents with airplanes. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, this weekend I'm working a show in that I can drive to. And I love it. I mean, I don't, the, the traveling's great, but it's like, we, we picked these jobs that basically require touring. And what I'm looking to do is anchor. So I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I would love to switch out with, let the sailors go out to see. I want to have a nice port where wrestlers right. can come to my dojo and train and, and do wrestling and play and, you know, grow and, you know, work on this there and I'll, you know, maybe do some other things as well. Non-related to wrestling. And, but, but, but that, that will be where people would have to come to me, not where I'm going to other people for the most part, but I still do enjoy a little travel. But again, like traveling for work is just, people think travel is great, but you try traveling for work. Just try it because it puts you around all, when I go to the airport, I have no problem. Airports are easy for me. I've been done a million times. When you're around people who, yeah. when the plane lands, just get up and start trying to walk to the front. And you're trying to say, hey, hey, just sit, just relax. You know, you, and you, you, there's, it's just, for me, 
less is more when it comes to just I'm I'm loving laying back and trying to not be as scattered. Like that's my goal is yeah. just to, to keep it together <laughs> just a little Did, longer because I can really yeah. I can be a better performer. I'm a better wrestler when I don't when I'm not hard travel. When I'm I'm a better like I'm better at everything. I'm better to the people around me. I'm better at the Uber driver. I'm better to everybody. And so right. it's just like recognizing when what what knocks me down and then what keeps me where I'm supposed to be and kind of just kind of identifying it. Yeah. And I think that self-awareness is so important. And again, I think just the average person is so hopped up on caffeine or downers that they don't take that moment to, like you said earlier, like sit with quiet and collect your thoughts and center yourself and, and, and let the static fade out into nothingness and, and recognize what your needs are like internally and externally. And um, I know, I, I mean, I know some of this story already, but like, did a lot of that really come to the forefront of your mind during your Peru trip? Uh, you know, I, I think that my, you know, I, I went to Peru and I was able to do drink uh, Wachuma like ceremonially and i just think going there was just i had been when you're on tour like that it was just i had been living in one world and i got a chance to live in another world and mm-hmm. the rainforest gives you a full reset you know, I can if, you're, if you spend three weeks in in the rainforest you get you get a full reset and in a place especially where i was being taken care of you know where i didn't mm-hmm. have to think about where's my next meal coming from i mean all i had ever done is what hotel am i in where, where am i driving to where am i going what did, did, did all i had were I needed to, I, my life was nothing but riddle after riddle that I needed to solve quickly, creatively, and, and, and go to the next thing and wasn't, didn't really have much help. When I got to the rainforest, there's, you know, really good people and very safe condition where you can just re, you know, strip away all the externalities that you have and kind of return to your roots, return to yourself. I mean, I was a kid when I grew up in, Missouri, we had a creek behind our house, and I played in that every day, all day. So mm-hmm. for me to be running around in a forest is more natural than unnatural. You know, I was really Absolutely. lucky to live in a, in, a, in a suburb area, but I mean, we could just walk along this creek, and it was sort of like where rainwater goes over, overflow. But you could just you could go for miles in either direction, build a you know, it, it was a real jungle out there in in some ways, and. Um, when I went back to Peru, I think I really reconnected to like the good parts of my childhood and my youth. And like, I, I really felt like, like maybe even connected to ant, spiritual ancestors, you know, past, present, future, all that, you know, just sort of, and which sort of connects you to everyone and everything. And it's, it's something you can describe, but it's always just a feeling. And so I always feel silly trying to talk about feelings that were like, that I experienced because it's not really, it's not really simple, simple to describe, but basically I left there more motivated just to be like better, you know, but I mm-hmm. just, I needed that reset because you get really like, it's easy. If you get, even just move a little bit off course over time, that becomes a lot off course and who knows necessarily yeah. what your course is. And that of course is your course. But if what happened was, is I became more of a passenger and mm-hmm. I needed to get into the driver's seat and take a, take a little bit of control and I had had to put myself in the passenger seat because my future wasn't 
the hands of other people. And, and I sort of had very little ability to say where I was going to be, what I was going to do. And now that I had the chance, I was going to take the driver's seat back. It just, you know, it's been something that's been up and down, you know. And um, I've, I mean, I had a lot, I struggled a lot after going to Peru, maybe even more than I had ever before. And I think going there helped me prepare for the, some of the horrible things that have occurred to me. And I really think that they were like prerequisites for me to survive with my head on some of the tribulations I went through later on. Maybe that's why I went when I did. Um, but, you know, I just, I got reinvigorated to wrestle, which I sort of thought maybe I would just take my winnings from WWE and just go be a businessman and do whatever and like, whatever, just do something else. And I don't know. I sort of just said, no, my body was just like, like my, my soul was just like, no, man, we got some more wrestling we have in us. We're going to do it. Like, we're just going to do it. And that, you know, like when this runs its course, which it will, maybe in one year, maybe in five, maybe in 15. But whenever it's done, you know, I'm, I'm working on my next projects. I'm really trying to just do, create some more content. I'm around all these guys in wrestling that make these amazing YouTube shows every single week. Friends like mm -hmm. you put out podcasts. And I just feel mm -hmm. like I've got a lot brewing in me and i have to start generating yeah. more content out and so this this is like a little baby step it makes me feel a little bit more secure talking about these things and getting into areas and actually helping me hash out how i feel about things even because you know it's okay. i don't like to think about it either sometimes you know it's yeah when you have to really face these things you know they're they're hard to face let alone like deal with have you, um, I don't know if you've ever played with it or have you actively, have you ever used like tarot cards, like done any sort of divination? Mm -mm. No. So, so, um, it's a use, it's a useful tool. And what I use it as is sort of, um, I usually pull it, I do a daily card pull, just one card. And it will oftentimes, sometimes I'll ask a specific question. That's usually how most people do tarot. I, I try to use it more like a, you, you talked about when you went to Peru, you, you sort of reconnected with your ancestors and I don't know if you ever felt any sort of sense of them guiding you in any direction or another. But for me, the tarot in a lot of ways is sort of a guiding me and um, two cards come to mind when you talk about your experience at Peru and post Peru, which is the star card, which is all about replenishment. And then, yeah. And then the second card is the tower, which is a giant tower, but it's being struck by lightning and everyone is falling to their death. And the, it's 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 typically pulled and it's a bad card it's like the card no one wants to pull right but it's a necessary part of life it's the creation and the what was it there was a term that was used for god once there was they they made god an acronym it was um i'll try to find it but it was it was it was generate oh yeah it is what it is it was generate order and destruction so essentially creation the existence and then the destruction and everything flows through that cycle right so as you get replenished, as you get connected to a, a deeper divine energy, it does in many ways, at least by my belief, protect you for that tower card that will inevitably come for all of us. You know, your bike accident or, or other incidents that come down the line, there were hardships that, that tore down the old existence. They, that happens for a reason so that that gets torn away. And what gets opened up is something brand new that you can that you can go into without um, without being tethered to something old that no longer serves you. Sometimes painfully, 
sometimes when you don't want it to, but it does, it does happen to us all. And like, and we've all experienced those things. And so um, it, right, I think if, what, if you look I think what birth, you're saying resonates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like birth. It's like, it looks like this disgusting, horrible, crazy process, but then all of a sudden it's, Oh, it's a great, wonderful thing. And that's, I mean, I don't know the tower. It just on, on one surface, I'm sure it's bad, but okay. So that <laughs> first card you said, the one where the one cup pours into the other cup. Yeah. The star. Like the, the star. So like when I was in Peru on Wachuma, we were walking through a, like a jungle path to this, um, what is it called? A lagoon type thing, but it's like a sacred mm -hmm. lagoon. There's like a mm -hmm. little tribe that lives there. And of course, you know, we're cool with the tribe. And so we'd be, we'd take us down there. But on that, on the walk there, I sort of got this like message from, you know, the, Everything works out how it's supposed to be. Message place, same place, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I was really tuned in, and it, it was just like you know, no matter if you you're like the amount of love or whatever in the universe you have that you give out, it fills right back up. So you can give Absolutely. out as much as you want. You can give out all the love that you have, and you actually it refills your cup. Yeah, so that was, that was one, one of the take homes. My big take homes. Um, I'm going to send you an image when we're, when we're done recording, I'll send you an image of the star card. I think it's going to resonate with you a lot, especially the traditional Rider Waite deck. Um, it, it, it is very much like people always think of it like in movies and just like wrestling, right? Those people have preconceived notions of it that they, they sort of imagine these, these sort of shady tarot dealers just trying to take your money. But if you, if you can learn how to read the deck and you who has a background understanding Hebrew would probably understand it even on a different level than I might, because it's, 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 it's very much rooted in like, Jewish Kabbalah and Hermeticism and things of that nature, um, it can very much provide a pathway to, to navigating some of the, the weirdness of life. And, and, and oftentimes what I find is even, in, even if you're a full-on believer of it, you'll pull a card one day and you're like, fuck, this is way too real. You know, it's just like, why, why are you, why are you telling me this very obviousness? So there's like a traditional deck, like, like a classic deck that was made like many moons ago. How much, like, you know, how, how long ago was like the original, like the, the tradit, like the classic one. Yeah. So, so the tarot deck originated in Italy as a card game. And what happened is in the Victorian era, a bunch of hermeticists oh. who, who were drawing from, um, ancient Sumerian beliefs and Egyptian beliefs and um, Jewish Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. They took all these different and some Eastern at that point, they took all these different sort of beliefs and, and they formulated, they formulated this sort of um, spiritual structure, which is, which is known as magic, you know, not like a, not like how Nigel does, but like in a more spiritual way. And, and they, 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 they created a deck, the Rider Waite deck uh, that had a lot of, um, symbolism in it and uh, associations within it and things of that nature so that you can read the card and it has, it essentially forms a life journey for everyone. And every card you pull, like the devil card is about addiction, right? The, the lover's card is about choice. And then they have minor kind of, so it's like a 72 deck and they've built in this meaning. And of course, like over time, as people read these cards and they put their own belief into it and they, derive whatever the original creators put their belief into they feed that energy and they create what's called like an egregore around it right like this sort of living breathing shared intelligence of energy from every person who's ever believed in this stuff from the beginning till now 
and you feed off that energy, right? It's it's like, um, how do I describe it? It's kind of like if you ever play that game where everyone writes a sentence and then you create this complete story. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's like that. It's like that everyone puts a little bit of their own energy into it. And so you're feeding off generations upon generations of this energy from the Victorian age of this associated meeting. And, and of course, the personality of whoever creates the card will shine through. And then you'll put your own personality into it. But it's um, it, it might be something you might find interesting, even just to, just to play with a little bit and see if, it, if you connect with. Because I feel like you might be open to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I just needed somebody to introduce me to it. It's, that's really interesting. That, that is kind of the way it works. And, and, you know, I don't know if you felt this way. You mentioned earlier you were talking a little bit about anxieties with travel and, and the people specifically. Did you find that like being – like did you find that the COVID and kind of how that stopped things down in many ways provided you that same sort of hop off the train that your trip to Peru did? But it also in other ways made it kind of more difficult to be around a lot of people? Well, it, it, it did it like going to Peru, except that I had no money and no job and things were terrible in that way. You know what I mean? It was a little bit different. <laughs> little bit. Like I went to Peru as, you know, able to put your mind at ease. You know, when you're, when you're thinking about how am I going to make this bill or what am I going to pay the electricity or the, this, the insurance this month or whatever it is, you're like, uh, it's not yeah. as easy to be cool. But I've been very proud of how calm I remained through some very tough times. But, um, you know, like, it is, it is like, it's so much easier to go looking for God when you've got your money set and everything is good. Like, that, I mean, you know, when I yeah. started my quest, it was like, it was much easier because I had like, a paycheck coming in and I wasn't working. My ankle was hurt. I couldn't go anywhere. So I just started finding these Alan Watts or Ram Dass lectures. And, like, you know, that was actually even free. It didn't cost me anything and like mm-hmm. so I just started I you know except the time and I mean I just it was like my bedtime habit every night I would listen to a talk from somebody and I mean, it just really started shaping the spiritual life that like I think because I was putting energy in that direction things have kind of gone gone that way but uh, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the pandemic what? made it tough and because I just I see what happens to what's been happening to people and I really sympathize for them. And I really feel bad for the for people. Like, I don't know if you've watched any of these documentaries on January 6th, but it's, Mm-mm. it's, it's, a, they're, they're very telling of these people and they really just needed help. I mean, these people, they just, they're, they're good hearted, good intentioned people. A lot of them who have been just swindled. Flip, like they, they got their good intentions flipped into like, for example, the QAnon uh, anti-child mm-hmm. trafficking. These are people whose intentions are good, and they really want to help, and they really, but they just got fooled by the brightest light, yelling the, the scariest thing, and yeah. um, it just, you know, it, it hurts me because of how powerless we are to have any effect on these people, and they they still tend to like reach out across the line you know so it, it, it is nice being able to step back but it's like they're in my community these are my people like i want them to to, to live i want them to thrive I, I they have kids i want those kids to do well it's like you know, what, what what can i do to like make to, to move things forward for everybody and so i really i like being um somebody who bridges people together i think it's called that's the first time i've ever really said that but i think it's been or whatever they call it like a chakruna or chakruna it's like you're a bridge mm-hmm. between 
a state of consciousness, your bridge between two people. But I, I like sometimes in wrestling, you know, there's a lot of hotheads, and I tend to be a bit of a voice of reason or a mediator. And I, I really mm-hmm. feel like, like if there would be a way to mediate these things so that everybody found the commonalities and not the differences. And mm-hmm. they definitely outweigh each other. Like I, I see a world where neighbors start working together in these big apartment complexes where nobody knows anybody and they all live on top of each other and kind of hear each other yelling at their partners. Like that all these people just got together and realized that we could do it better if we worked together and we just kind of got rid of the profits and the, the excess and we just tried to help the most people because you know I wouldn't just stop with the United States I'm not a, I mean I'm what I'm a patriot I'm an American but I'm I believe in you know if, if we have military bases in 170 countries why don't we give them all health care too like why can't we do right. that, that you know I mean that's like there's this there's all these tangible things to go along with the spiritual stuff so I try not to get too too caught up in either one but like um well they're connected feel, right you know, but it's like, you, you gotta, you know, I always feel like there's not a world without answers. It's just like, mm-hmm. I feel like we have a world without the leadership and the willingness to get together to, to do it, you know? And, but I think like the internet's breaking that down. I think Twitter is going to eventually create a global world where everybody, all us people get together and are like, uh, we don't need, like, we're tired of getting, letting these companies pollute. We're tired of all these consequences we the people have power this is my ultimate fantasy and then they, they're like okay hey, let's all work together to make sure everybody is safe and healthy because that's all anybody well, i've traveled all over the world people are like oh yeah i just love my friends and my family and it's nice to have a hospital with competent doctors so just, people don't really need much more than that or, yeah. you know, and no matter where you go that's what they care about and so i just am like okay well your family and friends their family, that's all people are looking to do it's just they get fooled into thinking there's this world of scarcity, which right. we're, we're like, there's this, the scarcity is imposed upon us and our, eco- our entire economy has been based on uh, a principle of like scarcity this whole time and, and essentially making workers afraid to quit their jobs and, and yeah. making workers and having worker insecurity as well. Like, well, if you lose this job, you can't afford to lose your job because you can't go one week without a paycheck because you can't go two weeks without a paycheck. You can't afford to leave your job because you can't afford a $500 car bill. And that's how most of the U.S. and the world lives right now. And there's nobody speaking. Like, I just, you know, man, I just, I somehow think this one podcast is going to help all, all those people. But it's like, you know, we can't think, you know, we have such, it's so easy to be like so ethnocentric and just think about like our local world. Like I'm always in my local I'm a local Democratic councilman or whatever, so I'm always into mm-hmm. local politics. But it's like politically, when I think of big ideas, I think of how can we help people on the scale of billions? Because anything less is just not enough. Like we should be thinking yeah. of how we're improving the lives of billions of people. That would be like when I like focus on what I want to put in the world with that it's change on that level. But I actively on the other level of consciousness, I just work in my own little um, Pinellas County, Florida. Well, and I think, but I think that you're on to something. And I think that the, the things that you've experienced, especially your hardships, which have led you to sort of be open to more spiritual concepts, which have then changed your demeanor and the way you approach things and the balance that you bring to them, or at least attempt to bring to them. And I think that that is, in many ways, 
exactly how we go about making those changes, right? Your presence in a locker room filled with, with people who might have different ways of thinking or got brought up in different ways or they're really focused on on uh, the hustle culture or or they're aggressive or whatever it may be, right? Because I get it. I was that guy and I still can be that guy who's just like, I'm gonna I'm the bull in the China shop, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way or make it. That was my motto. I literally have that motto tattooed on me. And I still believe in it, but I think that as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that finding a way or making it isn't about plowing through a mountain and, and, and destroying the mountain in the process. It's taking the moment to look at the mountain, appreciate the mountain, finding a way to overcome the mountain as it pertains to my journey, but not in a way that's destructive, right? And actually really appreciating climbing it up it and coming down the other end of it and all that comes with that. And to be a person that can be a bridge, be that person that can take those experiences and be the voice of reason or be a calming presence that you, you know how it is. And, and I would consider you one of these from my personal interaction with you. Like you meet people and you're around them and you just feel calm. You just feel chill. You just feel relaxed. You feel like you can be yourself. Right. And then you, and then you meet other people and we know those types of people as well. You're around and you just, you just, the moment you're around them, you just get anxious and tight and like, it feels like everything constricts and there's unfortunately because of, like you said, the media and social and what social media can do and just the constant nonstop 24 seven rhetoric that gets pounded into our ears. A lot of times you have more people who are kind of those, those anxious constricted types than the sort of relaxed, calm, peaceful types. And um, not only changing our presence, you know, our personal presence, changing our own mind and, and hopefully influencing people as we interact with them. But then in the creation of art, and maybe I'm optimistic about that, but I really do believe that the creation of any sort of art, if you put your passion in it, if you put your love in it, I just wrote a blog today about bleeding on the page, so to speak, you know, putting your everything into it. If you do that, you'll find people who connect and resonate with that. And it's infectious. Right. We live in a time of infectious disease. Why can't we live in an age where we start being infectious positivity and, and infectious spirituality and like let that higher consciousness slowly spread and ripple through this society because it desperately needs it. I love it. That's great. So before we before we leave here, I want to talk about your your Jaguar mask because I yeah. loved that. And I thought that was really cool that you incorporated that into your into your art. So what is the significance of the Jaguar to you? Yeah, man. I mean, that's just like my spirit animal. Like I just, you know, channel like what the qualities of a Jaguar, man. Like they, they've got, they're nice looking animals. They can be, you know, they're, they're cats. Like they're, they're quiet. They can, they can move fast and quiet. They have claws. They just rip your head off. I mean, they, they, they have a, a, a lot of power. They don't always use or they don't always even show. Um, you know, they're just, uh, you know, that's sort of my, like ground, my ground based spirit animal. I think that's sort of why my wrestling has gone more ground based. And, uh, you know, I just, I dig it. They're, they're, you know, part of ancient, um, shamanism spirits in that area. But man, I mean, I can just feel myself and it's just a reminder to myself, like I'm out there, you know, I have to essentially feel like a superhero. And when I'm a Jaguar, you know, I, I see in slow motion, I move in fast forward. Like, you know, I mean, and I just trust my gut and my intuition and, you know, just 
throw it out the wind. Let it guide me. And it's funny that you mentioned that. No, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's it's kind of crazy to talk like that, but I mean, I basically mean it. <laughs> well, it's 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 funny that you said superhero because I remember right after your trip, I, I we were texting back and forth, and I think I asked you how was it, and I think you said I feel like a superhero coming out of that. Like I feel like I'm just ready to take on the world, and and I very much think that you're your experience in Peru and all your life experiences, both the good and the bad have prepared you to overcome both, right? The successes and all the spoils that come with it and the ego that can come with that. And also the hardships that can tear you down and, and be hard and frustrating and feel uh, insurmountable. And yet from, from, as a, from my vantage point, as your friend watching you over the last, I don't know how long we've known each other, seven years now. It's been, it's been a while. Um, I I've seen you really grow into someone that always inspires me. And I, and I'm already inspired by the effort and the passion you put into your, your art and also how you try to live your life. You know, it would be easy for a person in your position to get really caught up in fame and all that shit. But like, like you're just trying to live your best life and you're trying to keep calm and keep grounded and, and you're very honest and I respect that. And you're positive most of the time, but if you're not feeling it, like that's okay too. You know, like you're, you're not a guy who's bringing negativity, but you're a real human being, you know, and, and that all comes through. And um, I think you should, again, from me to you, I think that if you look at the collective experiences, what that, what that has created is a person who's very ad- admirable. And I hope that the people that you work with and the people who are around you feed off that energy that I see and that, and I'm sure of it, honestly, without even having witnessed it, and that a little part of that is 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 impacting the world in a positive manner, just like your dream is to impact millions and billions. I think that that's the work that you're doing, and 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 hopefully that inspiration from the divine source or, or from your ancestors or from whatever whatever you want to call it, right? I hope that keeps feeding into you, and that you're able to continue doing that work because I think you got a, you got a lot more to do, and it's not all in the ring. And I'm really excited to see what comes next. Thank you, thank you. That's man, you're so you just fire me up. Like that's that's <laughs> that's so motivating for me. Yeah, we'll see what's next. I'm trying. I'm working on trying to uh, retell some Russian folk stories from ancient oh, or mountain stories. So yeah, so you know, trying you know these these kind of but it's it's a I don't want to call it a cult, but it's you know there's spirits and that kind of stuff so i'm really into this ethereal realm of things and environmentalism and all that so yeah hopefully we got well, some that's stuff awesome. coming out i'm super i'm super pumped now like yeah i got you know got a, i got a lot of work to do uh it's kind of how i always feel like i'm not working hard enough and i'm just like all right just chill out dude. now i'm gonna go dig into tarot now you should uh, uh, we'll touch base offline but um okay. listen Thank you very much for coming on board. Um, I appreciate I know it's late where you're at, and I, I appreciate the time. I always love talking to you, regardless of whether or not we're recording or not. It's just fun because, again, like I said, you're, you're definitely someone who inspires me. So I, I hope you feel pumped from this. I'm excited to see what you have to do next. I hope more of that comes out because I, I want to share as much of you to the world. I mean, obviously, you're shared to the world a much bigger audience than I ever could. But this side of you, I think, is really the most important part to show everyone. And uh, I'm really excited to see what comes next with you. And 
for those fans who are checking you out at 9 a.m., I hope they appreciate it because you've stayed up late. And, uh, and, and, and I know they will because, you, like you said, you, you give everything out there. And I've seen you on a bunch of different stages, and you always, you always give 150%. So thank you for your efforts. And I'm excited for what comes next, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again. Awesome, bro. I love you, man. Love you too, dude. Take care. I want to thank Matt once again for joining the podcast. It was such a great conversation. Um, it was very late where Matt was at the time, so I want to really thank him for going out of his way to be gracious with his time and give us the opportunity to really touch on a variety of topics, not just wrestling. Obviously, I think when most performers who do wrestling do podcasts, it's all about that, and that's obviously a part of it. We don't want to ignore it. But I know, because I know Matt personally, I knew that there was more things for us to touch on. So Hopefully some of those things resonated with you all. I know it certainly did with me. Um, and I think that he really, his insight of the world is really one of the ones that as a, as a collective we could learn from and we could utilize and we can implement it to our own beliefs so that we can overcome some of the issues that face our society with a much more balanced and reasonable approach rather than sort of the dis- divisive discourse that tends to be the way people try to handle issues now, which as we can see just by looking around us, doesn't seem to be very effective. So thank you once again for listening. I appreciate your time as always. And of course, I appreciate Matt for being gracious with his time. Until next time, gold rings on you all.